Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your grace. Holy Spirit, we are so um, grateful that you got us to this point. Father, you know our stories. You know our destinies. And I thank you that tonight we would just draw a little closer. Father, we would grow a little bit more. I thank you, God, that even um, in the moment, so many of us are struggling maybe just internally with things, maybe our marriages, maybe just really difficult season raising kids. Maybe it's a season of single, singlehood for a long time. Whatever is going on in our lives, I pray that you're going to meet us right where we are tonight. Father, we invite you into our, our space to have, a, have your way. And I thank you, Jesus, for what you've already done. Just the moments of laughter and just getting to know someone can change everything. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Love you, babe. Hey, ladies. <laughs> this isn't intimidating at all. Um, Jen, you're 41, babe. You know, when you hit your 40s, your memory starts to go. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're 41. Going to be 42 in July. Well, hey, thanks for being here. If we haven't met, I'm Billy, and I get to be married to her, and I'm super grateful for that. We're going on 25 years, Jen and I, so thanks. Um, super impressive. I was sitting out in the parking lot. I pulled up, and I saw all these fire trucks, and like seven of them, and I text my sister, Vic, right here, and I'm like, are you guys evacuating? She's like, for what? <laughs> I'm like, yo, you can't stop these kind of parties. <laughs> It's like, well, I suppose if it's dangerous, they'll come in and get you, you know, so way to be, way to have faith, you know, you're not scared of anything. <laughs> there literally were seven trucks. I'm like, what's happening? It's like, we're just eating charcuterie and playing games, so. Um, hey, thank you for being here tonight. If this is, um, if you're part of 116 Church or not, you just came with a friend, glad that you're here. I think this is awesome. And babe, I love you for, for caring and wanting to do this. What a great turnout. And um I love Jennifer Huffman. She is, she is my dream come true. She is the butter on my biscuit and the jelly on my toast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when she comes to call in, she's the woman with the most. <laughs> we were in our 20s, true story. I, we, Jim was born in Atlanta, and so I was a pastor in the South for a while. And in the South, it's just a whole other world. I would tell her, I was like, baby, you are the holla and my hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, she's the glow of my glory, right? I mean, I would get going, too. I was like, for the life of me, I do not understand why God did not keep you for himself. <laughs> but anyways, I love her so much. Um, I am excited and honored to talk to you. Um, Donald, my good friend in the back, who has a great catering company. If you need a caterer, Donald's your man. He said, go get him. Yeah, yeah. Donald, what's the name of it again? Fu future, future Food Co. Feature. I always say future because the future's bright, man. Feature feud co. So great. But Donald's like, he's like, you ready? I'm like, I don't know, man. There's a hundred women here. So I'm just going to read the Bible and see what happens. Um, I'm honored. Jen's asked me. My task is to take 30 minutes and kind of encourage you, inspire you um, as women from Scripture. I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I'm married to the greatest. Um, we've raised one of the greatest. And um, so, but I do know what Scripture says. So if you have a second, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 9. You don't have to turn there because you're eating charcuterie. Feel free to get up and wander about and get drinks and food. Um, that's kind of the vibe we got going tonight. But let me read this, and then I'm, I'm, I'm really honored. Oh, is that the air conditioning? Thank God. I'm honored to be able to speak to you, and I think God is going to say something to us. So this is Matthew chapter 9. It says, while Jesus was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came 
and, and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Another version says she had an issue of blood. She touched the fringe of his garment, for she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will make well. And Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when she came to the ruler's house, when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion for the little girl had died, Jesus said, Go away, for the girl is not dead. She is merely sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand. And the girl arose, for she was 12 years of age. And the report of this went throughout all the district. In this passage right here, we have a little girl, 12 years of age, who has died. And in her death, she encounters Jesus, and she comes back to life. In the same passage, we have a woman with issues. She's had those issues for 12 years as well. And she encounters Jesus, and she is made whole again. I'd like to talk from Scripture tonight on the topic of daughters daughters. Can we pray? God, thank you for the moments we have. Thank you that you're with us. Lord, I'm honored to sit with these women. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Would you, would you speak to us? You know our situations. You know our circumstance. You know our issues. You know the details of our life, and you care. So God, regardless of our religious affiliation or our church background or where we are right now with you, I thank you that you're here with us. And you're able to read between the lines of our lives, give us hope, and inspire us. And I pray you would do just that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, scripture labels this woman the woman with the issue of blood. Um, anytime Scripture doesn't give a woman a name or give an individual a name, it's because it's universal. So what we're supposed to do when we read this is to put ourselves in those shoes. What Scripture is saying when it does that, the woman with issues, is that anyone... And everyone can relate with this woman at some time. So the Bible calls her the woman with the issue of blood. Not just, um, not just any issue, but issues that man can't fix. Mark gives an account of the same, the same occurrence, the gospel of Mark. And it says in there that she went to many men and she spent a lot of money. And instead of getting better, she only grew worse. So we're not just talking issues that you can go and kind of, these are issues that man can't fix. And I, I don't know if I need to remind us of that this evening, but you know he can't fix you, right? He can't. No man can fix you. Even if he wants to, even if he tells you that he will, uh, he can't do it. It's not within him to fix you. Only Jesus has the ability to fix. So this woman with issues, she's broken. She's been damaged. She's been hurt. Some might call her used, whatever it is. There's been bad things that can't be fixed. And for 12 years, she suffered from these. Not on top of that, society has rejected her. So when you had this condition back in those days, um, it would have been lawful for you when you walk into a crowd of people. The law was that you are to declare your condition. So she would have had to say, if she were in this room, she would have to publicly say, I am unclean. That's what she'd have to say by law. So by not doing that, she's hiding. 
she's a lawbreaker. In fact, if she were to sit on one of these chairs, this is the law, the custom back in those days with this condition. If she sat on a cushion, they burn the cushion. How would you like that? Have a seat, get up, and they're like, burn the chair. And also please announce to all of us, I'm unclean. So society has dismissed her. Um, culture is ignoring her. They want nothing to do with her. They avoid her. But even on top of that, her secret has caused her to go into hiding. And maybe you can relate, maybe you can't. Um, but her secret, her issues. Turn to someone real quick say, you got issues. <laughs> Turn to someone else say, I got them too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, we're in this together. You got issues, I got them too. But her secret, her issues have caused her to go into hiding. So not only is she unwanted, watch this, she's unseen. Not only is she unwanted, she's unseen. Uh, she's not noticed. She can slip in and out of a room and no one even knows she's there. She's unseen. Uh, we know this, and in fact, the truth of it is, this woman doesn't want to be seen. She's not trying to be noticed. So when you read in scripture where it says she came up from behind Jesus, she stuck in the back. She came up from behind. She didn't want to meet Jesus face to face, shake his hand, introduce herself, say, hey, here's my issue. I wonder if you could. No, no, no. That's she, she comes from behind. And the Bible says she said, if I could just touch his garment. She doesn't even want to touch him because she doesn't want him to know that she's there trying to get something. She just, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. She doesn't want to be seen. She's, she's trying, even though the society doesn't see her, she's, she's okay with it. After 12 years... Her issue has become her identity because that happens sometimes. Our issues and things that we're dealing with, the things that have happened to us, that becomes our identity. It's who we are. Yet Jesus knows the very thing she needs more than anything is to know that she is seen. So he makes a commotion. Mark, the book of Mark tells this. Um, this passage a little more in detail. And Jesus makes a commotion. In fact, when she touches him, the Bible says in Mark that he felt power go out of his body. So he, he, he says, who touched me? Now you have to understand the context. He's surrounded by people. They're thronging him. They're pressing around. They're like, rabbi, they're wanting to touch him. He's the healer. He's the savior. He's on his way to heal a little girl who's dying, right? So this guy is, and Jesus says, who touched me? And then he says it again, who touched me? He's making a scene. You can only imagine in her mind, she's like, my God, my God, like trying to hide. His own disciples are like, Lord, you, you see all the people around here. Hundreds of people are grabbing at you and touching you, and yet you ask, who touched me? Yet Jesus doesn't relent. The book of Mark tells us that he says again, who touched me? So finally, she comes, the Bible says, and she kneels, and she, and she says, it was me. Jesus makes a commotion because he knows what she needs most is to know that she's seen. He wants her to know. She doesn't want to be seen, but he needs her to know. I see you and you're seen. Well, my daughter Serenity, who's right here, she's 16 now. I love her so much. When she was a little girl, four years old, we would play um, hide and seek. And um, I love playing hide and seek with her, first of all, because she's the cutest thing. And we had a 1,400 square foot home and she would hide. And in her, in her four-year-old mind, I didn't know where she was. In fact, I know every single corner of the, my 1,400 square foot home, right? So there's no way she could actually hide. And she wasn't even trying to hide. Like she'd be hiding and snickering. Like, <laughs> you know, so I could hear her. So, and then she'd be under the table and like her feet would be hanging out. And so it's clearly, she's under the table. Also the table is glass, you know? So it's like, but she would close her eyes and she would hide. And it's literally impossible 
for her to hide from her dad. But in her four-year-old mind, I couldn't see her. Um, I feel like that's true for us many times. Like, God can't see us. Like, it would be impossible for God not to see you. Also, I would, we would play the game, and so I would say to her, hey, now it's, now it's my tar- turn to hide, and it's your turn to seek. And she never wanted to do that, ever, 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 ever. She'd always say this. I remember this. Was, she always wanted to be hiding, and she'd always be like, Daddy, you find me. You find me, Daddy. <laughs> and I remember thinking about that as I was thinking, like, you find me, Dad. Do you know it's intrinsic in all of us, the desire to be found? You know that, right? Like, that's not made up. That's not just you. If you're like, I'm so emotional, I just need, I need to be seen. And no, 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 that's intrinsic in you. All of us want to be seen, want to be found, want to be valued. Jesus knows this about this woman. The reason she's hiding is because her issues have redefined her identity. Um, who she is has become what has happened to her. Her issues, all the things that have been done wrong, that has now become her identity. So who she is has now become what happened to her. This is easy to happen in life if we're not careful. We allow the circumstances and the tragedies and the crises and the pain of life all of a sudden we begin to live our life in a way maybe ashamed, maybe hidden, and we allow who we are to become the very sum total of the things that have happened to us. But even in the midst of this, this woman makes a decision. Can I just say this? There is something um, so supernatural about a woman making a decision. Now, I know I'm a man, and fellas, we make decisions all the time. Lots of wrong decisions. We make bad decisions. We just don't know what we're doing. But I'm, there is something. You'll find it throughout Scripture. When a woman decides to do something, there is a supernatural element to it. I don't know where it happened. She's been suffering with her issues for 12 years. Somewhere in the midst of these 12 years, this woman comes to the point. She's like, if I could just get to Jesus. And so she sets her mind. That's exactly what I'll do. It's illegal. She's not wanted. She overcomes her own personal fear. She's like, if I could just get to Jesus. And so this woman makes a decision. And when she makes that decision, it is unbelievable what she accomplishes. Even God himself stops what he's doing. You ever think about that? God himself, like Jesus is God in flesh. He's on his way to do something that is so important. A little girl is dying. The daughter of a a ruler is dying. And Jesus says, I'm going, I'm going to heal this little girl. Time is of the essence, by the way. She's, She's breathing her last. And that's made clear. And this woman, because she has made a decision that she is going to get to Jesus, Jesus stops what he's doing because she's doing something. I hope you can hear that tonight. There is something, I've seen this in my wife, I see this in godly women. When you make a decision to do something, it is almost impossible for anything to stop that. And so God stops and he recognizes this woman. And here's what she does. She decides to tell him the whole truth. Uh, And Mark, that's what it says. It says that she knelt before Jesus and told him the whole truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Okay, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and I learned very quickly that when students are doing something wrong, like maybe they're sleeping around with their girlfriend, or maybe they're doing, maybe they're smoking, you know, they're vaping or something like that, what I would do is maybe they get caught, and I'm like, hey, is there anything you want to tell me? And they'd be like, yeah, um, I kissed my girlfriend. 
Now, that's only 50% of the truth, right? But that's what they do. They tell you 50% kind of throw you off the trail. Parents, moms, if you're in here, this happens if you don't know. So they'll give you a little bit of the truth because they're hoping you're like, okay, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> and then you move on. And I, as a youth pastor, I learned like, okay, thank you. What else? Oh, no, nothing else. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Because I know things that you don't know I know. <laughs> you know, and I like pull the mafia thing on them. And like, well, uh, we also, and all, it'd be amazing to me by the time we get done the conversation, the whole <laughs> truth comes out. This woman makes a decision with Jesus to tell him the whole truth because her identity has been lost in her issues. And she has decided that's it. That's it. Today, I get honest with God and I get honest with myself. And she tells him everything. Okay, there was another woman that this happened. In John chapter 4, um, Jesus encounters a woman. They call her the woman at the well. Again, universal term. So we can all put ourselves in this situation. John chapter 4, there's this woman at a well. And Jesus goes out of his way to find her. And she's a, she's a Samaritan. And so, or um, Samaritan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's a Jew. And so he's not supposed to be talking Samaritan. So he shows up and he begins to have a conversation with the woman at the well. And at one point, she's like, you're not even supposed to be talking to me. Like, she doesn't even, she's like, she doesn't understand why he would even want to be around her. See her. She's like, I'm a woman, and I'm a Samaritan. You're clearly Jewish. Like, why are you even talking to me? And Jesus says to her, he's like, if you only knew who it was you were talking to, you'd want to talk all day, right? And so she's, they're having this conversation. Somewhere in the midst of the conversation, she mentions that she's not married. To which Jesus responds to the woman at the well, you're correct, you're not married. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the man you currently live with isn't your husband. Now, if you're not Jesus, you probably get smacked at that point. Like, what? You know what I'm saying? Because he just calls her out on all of her issues. But here's what happens to this woman. She's not ashamed when she encounters Jesus. She's not humiliated by Jesus literally telling her everything about where, what her issues are. The Bible says she goes back to the city, and because of her encounter with Jesus, almost everyone in her town will find Jesus and find salvation on that day. And she says in verse 29 a phrase that I find so peculiar. She says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Everything I ever did. Really? He told you everything you ever did. Because what scripture tells us in John 4 is that he told her you've had five failed marriages, five men that you've completely messed up with. And the, the one you're with now isn't even your husband and you're messing up again. That's what he told her. But it isn't interesting that for her, her failure and her issues are everything. That's how she had begun to identify. Those five failed marriages that relationship that she shouldn't be in, that she's in right now, that's everything to her. Everything. Because what happens if we're not careful is our identity gets lost in our issues. Who knew that Jesus seeing our issues would be the very thing that would set us free of our issues? And yeah, all we try and do is hide and hold them in and deal with them. And yet Jesus seeing all of it is the very thing that sets us free. I hope you know that God sees you. But let me ask you this question. Do you know how God sees you as a woman? Do you know how God sees you? Individually, he loves you. But do you know? We can go back to the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis 
where God created the heavens and the earth, and he created the first woman, Eve. The Bible says that he created the earth and everything in it in seven days. The seventh day he rests, so it was the first six days. Day one through five, he creates like the, the heavens and the, and, the, and, the, and the water and the birds and the air, and you've, you've seen the cartoons. You know it. It's real. Jesus did it. We read the Bible. They made some really, you've painted your nursery. You understand. There's the giraffes and all that, and he said it after each day. Day one, he says, it is good. Day two, he says, and it is good. Day three, he says, and it is good. And day four, it is good. Day five, it is good. On the sixth day, he creates man, and then he says, it's not good that man be alone. Translation, man can't do this on his own. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can admit it, right? Dear Lord, he needs some help. He saw Adam for like five minutes like, this is not going to work. So then the Bible says he created woman. That's the last thing God ever created. When God created woman, he stopped creating. That was it. As if to say, it just doesn't get any better than this. Now, get this. After that day, after he creates woman, scripture records in Genesis that God says, it is very good. Not just good. Very good. If you've ever wondered how God sees you, what he thinks of you, it's not just good. It's very good. In fact, you can argue that woman is the apex of creation. It's the pinnacle. It's like God's magnus opus. It's like, that's it. I did it. And he stops creating. And yet even Eve, when she had an issue, Remember that one time she ate that piece of fruit? <laughs> she didn't go to Jesus. She didn't go to God. She didn't go to God. She could have. She knew God. They walked in the garden. He was there with her. She took her issue to man, and all man could do was fall with her. Because if you're single in here, you need to know the criteria for Mr. Right isn't if he falls for you. It's if he fights for you because every man falls. That's what we do, by the way. question is, will he fight for your honor? Will he fight for you? He can't fix you. It's impossible. The very most a good man can do is point you to the one who could fix you. But make no mistake, God calls you very, very good. And that's what makes you beautiful. That's what makes Eve beautiful. It's not the cosmetics. It's not what society says. It's what God says. And he says it's very good. There is a difference between glowing and glittering, glistening. Um, glistening comes from the outside. It's, it's beauty from the outside. Glowing is a beauty that comes from the inside. Um, it has nothing to do with your cosmetics or how you look. It has nothing to do with how much Botox you put in or how you did your hair that day. The glow comes from within. I never forget when I met Jennifer. Yes, we were teenagers. It doesn't matter. It still applies. And I couldn't believe, first of all, she was beautiful. And in my mind, she's the most beautiful. I mean, she's my standard for beauty. I love her more than anything. But back when we were children, um, I don't remember thinking, like, she's so fine. Like, I do think that now. But I did not think that when she was 15, right? And I remember being so mesmerized by the joy it came out of her. Everywhere she was, she was dancing, smiling. She was probably dancing at night. Were you dancing? She probably was. Laughing. And I remember thinking, like, it just emanates. Like, it kind of radiates out of her eyes and stuff. Like, there's just this. I had never been around it. I was like, you know, I suppose my mom probably had it, but I never looked at my mom like that, you know? But it was, and I remember thinking, like, she, she glows. 
She glows. There's a glowing in her. That's because a woman who knows she's a daughter of the king, she, she understands her beauty, and so she has a confidence in that. But a woman who's just caught in her issues doesn't honestly believe she's beautiful, and so she overcompensates for it. She tries to, um, she tries to, she tries to glisten. And glistening, at the very most, you can only borrow the shine from something else. You ever see, like, like tonight, I'm sure on Lake Washington, the sun just probably casts just a beautiful glisten. And the glisten, it's gorgeous. Like, you can't deny it. But it's just, it's just surface deep. It's simply borrowing the shine from the source. And when the source is gone, then the glisten is gone. But if you glow, well, it's, it comes straight from within. It comes right from the source. This woman and Matthew, she chooses to glisten when it's her birthright to glow. It's her birthright. Let me tell you what I mean. Colossians 3 says this. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For your life is now hidden in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? Your life is now hidden in Christ Jesus. You don't have to hide anymore because you're already hidden in him. And it doesn't say, fix yourself, get your stuff together. It says, set your mind on things above. It doesn't say, figure out how to make things right. Go through the processes. No, 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 it says, set your mind on things above. Essentially, put your focus on Jesus and decide to look to him. Make the decision to look to him. And that's what she does. This woman, after 12 years of trying to fix herself, she decides to run to Jesus. And Jesus says this this phrase to her. He says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. passage, and I hope you catch this because this is one of the uh, most quintessential truths in all of scripture. This passage, the word daughter is used twice. Once with the little girl, the synagogue ruler's daughter. He's like, my daughter is dying. And then once when he says to her, daughter. Now in the English language, it's the same word, but it is not the same word in the original language, which was the language Jesus was speaking. And everyone there would have known. He used two different words. It's, it's not the same. Uh, the first word used for the little girl, the daughter of the, of the ruler, it, it's, it's a general word. It's like a female child. The actual Greek word is daughterling. It's a little child. But the word he used when he addresses this woman with all of her issues it speaks of blood. Interesting, the woman with the issue of blood. It speaks of DNA. Um, part of his family line. In fact, in fact, in fact, in fact, when Jesus said it, people would have literally thought, well, he, 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 was, he was married? He has, he has a child? He was, it would be like, you are, this is my 
daughter. And everyone would have noticed that and that would have caught them. Wait, hold on. Now he's not just saying like, oh, oh, young lady, oh, fair maiden of the Lord, oh, child, oh, young. No, no, no. He's literally referring to her as his own. Everyone listening would have seen it. You remember the people who avoided her and rejected her and had dismissed her? And more importantly, she would have noticed. Can you imagine? She comes in and she's got all these issues and all these secrets. And she's broken and she's damaged. And she's like, if I could just even just, I don't want to sneak in and sneak out. If I could just touch him and I could just be fixed and be, and be made well and be healed of my issue. And instead, Jesus, yeah, he heals her. But the Bible says, he says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. That's another word. It's not the same. When she said in the beginning, if I touch him, I'll be made well. What she was talking about was being saved and being healed. When Jesus said, your faith has made you whole, he's saying that and you are complete. It's to, and you are strong and you are healthy and you are well. He was like, you are now beautiful again. He made her whole because she was his that's that's it's almost as if he was saying to the ruler i understand that your daughter is dying but my daughter needs me right now and he'll go on and he'll heal the little girl but make no mistake and you say well who did jesus love more did he love the little girl or did he love the woman with the issues well the answer is he loves them both the same my question is who did he heal first who did he stop for? Who did he take time for? The one with issues. She came to Jesus with her condition and Jesus reminded her of her position. And I pray tonight that he'll do the same with you. Whatever your condition is, whatever your issues are, we've all got them. That it's not so much him fixing the condition but reminding us of our position you're his daughter he loves you and that is what makes you beautiful amen can i pray for you jesus right now i just pray in this moment as i sent you here lord would you just do what you do pray for women in this room that they would have the confidence and the peace that comes with knowing that they belong to you. All their issues, all of the secrets, all of the mistakes and the hurt and the damage, God. I thank you, Lord, that you take it all and you remind us of whose we are. It's not what has happened to us, but it's who we are to you. Lord, I pray that you would make us whole again. Remind us that you see us as, as beautiful and very good. Lord, help us to make a decision, even in the midst of the issues, to choose, to choose to run to Jesus. Lord, I thank you that when we run to you, you do not disappoint. In Jesus' name, I pray.